But I was going to say, would you like to talk about your planned surprise party for your sister? But this will go out two hours before the party. Then no, but yes. Yeah, you've done a really good job organising your sister's 30th. Yeah! There's a massive Hufflepuff flag ready to go. Just a bit of background. It is Harry Potter themed. My sister is a massive Harry Potter fan. Uh, And she is 30 on Friday. When this episode goes out. When this episode goes out. So happy birthday. And uh, yes, I was contacted by Josh, her husband. Yeah. Um. In a flat panic, you know that guy. In what I can only describe as a flat panic, flat panic. um, He had completely forgotten that she'd asked for a surprise, a surprise party party when he asked her, "What do you want to do for your thirtieth?" And she said, "A surprise party." Um, So about six weeks ago, that's quite a lot of time to plan a party. (coughs) Yeah. Um, I would have given you like a day's notice. About six weeks ago, he he rang me um, and said, help, essentially. Mm. So I have sourced lots quite, of, quite lots a of wizarding lot. themed things. We have a of, sorting hat in the house. We have a sorting hat. We, we have, have snitches. Uh, golden snitch Ferrero Rochers, because who doesn't need those ambassador. at a party? Oh, ambassador. Hey up, I'm Joe Heathcote, and this is Consistently Eccentric a British history podcast where we try to make sense of some of the lesser-known and more absurd people and events these islands have produced. So let's get started with your story today. Mm -hmm. It takes place in the later part of the 17th century. Okay. So 1600s. Mm -hmm. And we're going to be talking about life on the high seas. You're hard. Me hearty. Because Henry Every Mm -hmm. was most likely... Born on the 20th of August, 1659. We don't know exactly when he was born. That's the best guess historians have got because he wasn't born into a uh, a posh family where you, you keep track of things like days, of, you know, birthdays and things. Um, and he was born in the small coastal village of Newton Ferriers in Devon. Yep. And as you know, Devon has quite the uh, pedigree when it comes to the sea, being as it is uh, a county with a northern and southern coast and a pointy bit at the end that's cornwall that's cornwall. we call it we call the pointy <laughs> bit at the end cornwall um okay. because the century before the 16th century it was the birthplace of not only sir walter raleigh but mm. also that dashing rogue and privateer sir francis drake mm. Mm. what about the the welsh guy that we covered when was he born I have no memory of that. I think it... Well, this is... um, I have borderline no memory of it, so that's a struggle. (laughs) Well, these are the centuries of the pirates. You look in 16th, 17th, early 18th century. So sometime around that 250-year mark. Yes, somewhere then. Okay. Now, between, um, you know, Sir Francis Drake and Sir Walter Raleigh sort of establishing British naval power and the birth, of Henry Every. Yeah. Things had changed a little bit in England. Okay. See Give me a give me a, a an overview. I will, that's what I was going to do. You see okay. we had a good navy. We beat the Spanish Armada, things are going great. But Very unfortunately, good. wooden boats, they need a lot of upkeep. Mm. And 
your Stuart kings, especially King James and Charles I, they had other things that they wanted to spend their money on. Gambling and women. Amongst other things and lavish food. parties. Yeah, food. It all costs. Okay. And the Navy, as ships went out of service, they weren't really being replaced that much to the point that by 1603, the British Navy consisted of 10 leaky ships. Mm. But it didn't matter because all the British sailors just worked as privateers. Okay. So they all took a commission from the king and used their own boats to go out and disrupt shipping for other countries. Okay. So it's essentially we had kind of like a private naval force, should we ever need it. Which makes it mm. very surprising that in 1603, King James decided what he was going to do, because he was making friends with Catholic Spain and Catholic France, was he was going to, as a show of good faith, outlaw privateering. No more pirates. Well... No, it's the start. It's the start of pirates. Oh, private, yes. privateering was essentially. Oh, uh, you, we state did. Do you piracy. know what? We did cover this. What was the yeah. What was the pirate called? My brain today is quite frankly the most frazzled it's ever been. So, what was the What was the pirate called? Black Bart. The there we go. Pirate. I have literally dragged that Barthold. out. Bartholomew. Bartholomew Rodders. Bartholomew Rodders. He was Rodders. from Nelson Mandela House. <laughs> And look how far he Let's came. just say that again. Bartholomew Roberts. Yes. And uh, he was a year one episode, so if you want to listen to that episode, you'll have to go scrolling quite the way through the year two. Scrolls. At least three scrolls. Yeah. But yeah, so for this show of good faith, he outlawed privateering, which gave the good seafaring men of Britain a choice. Okay. They could either... Mm-hmm. Because there's no navy for them to transfer into. There's nope. ten leaky ships, they're full of people, bailing mm-hmm. furiously. They could either go straight, take a job on land, mm-hmm. a probably very low-paid job on land, or join the fishing fleets. Again, low-paid fishing fleet job. Mm-hmm. Or they could continue to do their privateering, only without the cover of uh, state sponsorship anymore. That's right. I do remember this mm. now from the Black Bart episode that we did. So quite a lot of them decided what we'll do is instead of, I don't know, going and working for a pittance, Mm -hmm. toiling, Mm -hmm. we'll go to North Africa, to the Barbary Coast. Yep. And we'll go to the ports of Algiers, Tunis, Mm -hmm. and we will set up there and just continue taking Catholic shipping. You know, we'll keep taking prizes. And rather than taking our loot back to England and selling it, Mm. we'll take it back to North Africa and sell it. Okay. Out. They were welcomed because, unfortunately, it was quite an established thing already on the North African coast, the idea oh. of taking ships, because the Mediterranean mm-hmm. formed the barrier by this stage between the Ottoman Empire, yes, the Islamic Empire, yeah. and the Christian European countries to the oh. north of the Mediterranean coast. Wow, okay. And the, the major sort of individual ports on that coast, so your Tunis... Yeah, Algiers. Mm-hmm. They were all ostensibly ruled by the Sultan of the Ottoman Empire, but really they kind of ruled themselves. Mm. And their entire sort of livelihood was founded on piracy, on taking white <laughs> European slaves to Amazing. work for them. So although the, the Sultan would often say things like, oh, oh no, are they? Oh, five ships, you say. 
or I'll get right on that. Audible touch. Yeah, he was actually quietly quite happy that they mm. were just disrupting oh, well, European shipping. Mm. And things got even worse once the British turned up because your North African slavers and mm. your corsairs, mm-hmm. they would use galleons, which are smaller, flatter boats yep. with banks of oars yes. that you get your slaves to row. So they were really good, really fast around the coast. So they take ships as they were hopping mm. through the Mediterranean <clears> coast. <throat> but they couldn't really go that far afield. Okay. You could only... Because it takes quite a lot of food and water to keep a slave running. And if you've got four slaves to an oar and yeah. nine banks of oars, mm-hmm. you need to store quite a lot of food and water just to mm-hmm. keep going. So they couldn't, like, I don't know, go out into the Atlantic. No. They couldn't, I don't know, hit up more northern European places. No. But the Brits who turned up to start being pirates alongside them, they had proper ships. Mm-hmm. Ships designed for long sea voyages. Yes. And because, you know, you're, you're sharing your stories over a pint in, in Algiers, even though they mm-hmm. wouldn't drink because it would be dry. So would, they, would these ships that are there now, mm. are they merchant ships or are they ships for battle? Well, the galleons were designed for one thing, one thing only. They were designed for going and taking all the ships. So it was, it was essentially piracy was the main industry. No, I meant the other. I meant our ships. Oh, our ships were privateers. They were designed for, um, yeah, battle. Essentially, they'd all have guns. So they have like the long nines and yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Okay. They were proper. They were proper set up. So these ships would be in the port alongside the galleons, and mm-hmm. the captains would get talking, and the British decided to start teaching the local corsairs how to use these big triple-masted ships. Mm. And as a result, by the mid-1600s, mm-hmm. the Barbary pirates were able not only to get into the northern European sort of areas, mm-hmm. they were regularly um, raiding shipping off the British coast. Wow. And that's both South Devon coast and the North Devon coast because they managed to set up a port for themselves on the Isle of Lundy, which is Gosh. in the Bristol Channel. Yes. So there were literally mixed crews of Brits, uh, Dutch and North African pirates living in the Bristol Channel. And because all the British had in terms of a navy was 10 leaky ships, mm-hmm. there was nothing they could do to stop them. It's uh, an interesting start to a tale. Yeah, so what I'm trying to say is, you know, even 10, 15 years before Mm. Henry Every was born, Mm. going into shipping, going into seafaring, just wasn't something that was available to the British. Mm. Now, to be fair to Charles I when he, you know, came to power... Do we have to be fair to him? We don't, but to be fair to him, he did try to sort out the Navy a little bit, Right. Uh, and he decided to impose a ship tax. Okay. Where he would charge everyone, all of all of the different towns, mm. a one-off tax in order to build new ships to fight off the piracy that was now rife all around <laughs> the South Coast because of the decisions of his dad. Right. I'm simplifying all this quite a bit. Yes. Are there sources where people can look further into that if they wish? There will be, right. yes. Very good. Lots. There were two problems with the ship tax. Mm -hmm. Firstly, rather than just charging coastal towns who would directly benefit from the thing, he decided 
just blanket across the country. Wow. So places like Dunsop Bridge that's miles away from water or, you know, Sheffield. No, they're having to pay for ships as well. Wow. So it was quite unpopular. And secondly, once he got all of that money in, he thought of other things that he could spend it on. I bet he bloody did. And he went ahead and spent it on those other things. And it's one of the many little things that came together to cause the British Civil War. Okay. Mm. And it was during the British Civil War mm-hmm. that Henry Every's father, John Every, John Every, he first got into being a sailor because although the Stuart and the Royalists didn't really see what the benefit of a navy, didn't appear mm. to see the benefit of a navy. Interesting, but okay. The parliamentarians and Oliver Cromwell, yeah. they definitely saw how important it was to have a powerful navy. Okay. And following their victory in the Civil War, Mm. a guy called Robert Blake was put in charge of um, creating a new navy, essentially, from scratch. Okay. So he was given the ten leaky ships, and he was given the title General at Sea, which I think is better than Rear Admiral. Wow. Did that become Admiral of the Realm? Well, at this point, it's of the Commonwealth, isn't it? There is no king at the moment, so that's why he's General at Sea. Okay. Um, So he took the 10 ships and he started a process of refitting them and of building new, sleek, Mm -hmm. modern ships. Uh, And he ended up converting it into a powerhouse of a navy with over 100 ships. Wow. Okay, he was good at his job. Uh, Mainly this was because, you know, Charles II, Charles' son, Mm -hmm. he was over in mainland Europe. Is he the insane one? They were all insane. Okay. <laughs> but they, he was over in mainland Europe and they were worried that he would be plotting an invasion. Mm. And what better way of stopping an invasion than having a massively powerful navy just constantly, you know, in the channel. Mm-hmm. And, well, you can try and come across if you want. We have lots and lots of guns that say you're not going to. But they were so successful mm. and they had so many uh, thousands of men joining up that they were able to start thinking about the piracy problem as well. Okay. Mm. So. I mean, how much of a problem was it really? You're looking at thousands of people uh, were being taken to be slaves because um, in order to keep just their economy going and in order to keep their way of life going, they needed a turnover in the tens of thousands of slaves a year in the ports of Algiers and Tunis. Wow. And although most of the the British slaves that were taken were Mm. taken from ships, Mm -hmm. so you'd take a merchant vessel, you'd sell all the loot, and then you'd just take the guys home and sell them as slaves. Um, They would also land and sack villages. In fact, in, in, uh, I think it was 1630, there's a little village in Southern Ireland called Baltimore. Mm. They took the entire population of the town. Wow. Like every person in Baltimore just one day vanished because the pirates dropped in and went, yep, <laughs> we'll, we'll take everything. Wow. We'll have it all. So they weren't, uh, they weren't anti-women on ships then? Oh, no, no, because you could sell women. Right. They weren't anti-anything, yeah, as, long as, as long as there was a, a, you know, a was price for them. Was this the same in the Caribbean? No, no, this is slightly different. So these, these are the, the Barbary Coast pirates rather okay. than the, the Caribbean pirates. Right, okay. Because we did cover that, again, Black Bart. But yeah, you know, so you look in 1630, Britain is the ultimate soft touch. You can go and literally take a village of people and there's nothing we can do. Oh, no. But now, with the extra boats, Blake, he decided he'd go and send a message. Mm. And it was likely 
that John Every, Henry's father, was one of the men on the 15 ships who were sent to exact some compensation from the Corsairs based at Tunis. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it didn't go perfectly because they presented their demands and the day of Tunis, the, the leader, mm-hmm. he just said, no, nah, we're not doing that. We're not going to give you any compensation. Oh. It was all legal and above board piracy. Yep. Yep. Find us keepers. No issues here. Yeah. We, we did find us keepers and then we dibsed. So it's ours. Double um, dibsed. But Blake decided if he wasn't going to get the money, he could at least send a message to possibly reconsider coming back to Britain in the future. Mm. Uh, and he had his fleet destroy nine ships in the harbour and two shore batteries before heading home. Wow. So they wrecked shit in Tunis before they left. <laughs> and there! And... Yeah. I mean, it wasn't much for the slaves who were there, saw British ships pulling mm-hmm. into the bay and thought, mm-hmm. finally, we're going to be saved. No. And then watch the British ships blow everything up and sail off. Because you imagine that after that had happened, mm-hmm. there'll be some reprisals against the British people in yes. the town. Yeah. Like, you know, I can't get at them because they're sailing away, but I can I can get at you. And even better, you're already chained up. I'm going to beat the <laughs> out of you. Mm-hmm. Uh, Blake after setting up what became the the Royal Navy. He's Mm -hmm. known as the father of the Royal Navy. Yep. He died before the end of the Commonwealth. Mm. And even though the restored Charles II inherited dominance of the seas and didn't have the same pirate problem as his father and grandfather had had, Mm -hmm. thanks to this man, he still had the body of Robert Blake exhumed and dumped in a common grave in order to prove... What? A point, I guess... This man made us a force at sea and made piracy more difficult to do in our waters. And he did all of this without me actually having to spend any money. Dig him up. And it wasn't even like he was dug up and um, hung, drawn and quartered like Mm. Oliver Cromwell's body was. He was literally just dug up from a a grave. And then it, it was only about 200 yards away. It was just take him from his personal grave and put him in that pauper's grave over there. So it's really a petty, petty thing, but... Um, well, as as established, I mean, they were all insane, so... So, that's enough about the context. Basically, even though, you know, it hadn't gone well for Blake in the end, mm-hmm. John Every, he made money, he'd learnt his trade at sea, yeah. and by the time he was having his kid, he was having Henry, he was the captain of a small trading vessel, Happily bobbling along. Was it the captain of the ship? He was the captain of the ship. Calling. Mm. <laughs> and because he'd seen how joining the Navy and sort of having that start could, could build a career that you could live off, he encouraged his son Henry to follow in his footsteps and become a seaman. Not a pirate. Not a pirate. He, he encouraged him to join the Navy. All right, okay. Which Henry did. Mm-hmm. Uh, approximately depending on the the day of birth that you take as read, either 12 or 14. All right, so So between old. the ages of 12 and 14, yeah. He, he, he started late, is what yeah, I'm saying. Yeah, he did. Um, and he, one of the first things he did was almost 14 years to the day after his dad, he went off to the north coast of Africa to bombard a different city. And they uh, bombarded Algiers. Okay. Just to, you know make doubly sure that the pirates had got the message. It's like, okay. we, were, we were here a decade and a half ago mm-hmm. and we wrecked some shit, but we're just going to come back and show we 
we can still do that. Mm, we definitely did. Yeah, there's a change of change of leadership. We're back mm-hmm. to being a monarchy, but we can still wreck your shit right now. Mm-hmm. So Henry served on a number of ships. Okay. Until uh, about the age of 30. What number? Uh, a number. Oh, 10? A couple. Let's say he's, he at least served on more than one. Okay. If that's okay. But there wasn't a lot said about it until 1689 when he was a midshipman at right. about the age of 30. So he's been in the Navy for over 15 years by this right. point. Okay. He's risen to a low officer ranking of midshipman. He's doing okay. And he was on a boat called the Rupert. Mm. Yeah. I like Rupert. Now, weirdly, for, for what happens to him, yeah, the only mention of him in the naval records says that he was a very, very sort of sober and somber gent. Oh. He didn't spend his money on gambling, on wine, women in song, on tobacco mm. even. He just saved all of his wages and sent them home for safekeeping. He was, he, he was someone who obviously had a plan for what he wanted to do. Okay. A very focused man. Man with plan. Man with plan, a man who can execute the plan. But okay. at the moment, in a very sort of law-abiding sense. Okay. So... In, foreshadowing in mid 1689 his ship the hms rupert it helped to capture quite a large french vessel mm-hmm. off the coast of france which is you know where you'll find a french vessel yeah. and the victory sort of like everyone was getting a promotion because it was considered a big we were at war with the french at the time i should mm-hmm. point out it was everyone getting a promotion so he was promoted to master's mate bit like oprah yeah it was well you get a promotion you You get get a promotion promotion. yeah so he's promoted to master's mate yeah unfortunately the very next year he ended up being involved in the battle of beachy head which unlike the we took a ship and everything's great Mm. it was a massive humiliation for the english fleet oh dear and he got a bit disillusioned with the navy at that point it's all good when you're winning yes and when there's no actual risk to mm-hmm. you. I mean, I don't know in these 15 years if he ever actually faced peril up until this point. Okay. So he's just like, well, this is great. I get to wear a shiny uniform. Mm-hmm. I get lots of money that I send home. Mm. And then suddenly it's, wait a minute, they're, they're shooting at me with... They're using their cannons. This no. surely can't be fair. Yeah, yeah. So he quit. Oh, Okay. Because he thought of a better and quicker way to make money. Right. So everything was going his way. And then this one time it didn't. So he threw a hissy fit. Well, there may have been other reasons. I mean, he he did have a plan. I said he's man with plan. Okay. Part of his plan involved marrying a wig maker, which he did the following year. Um, But also he decided, well, making good money as, you know, a, a low level officer in the Royal Navy... But you know what will make even better money quicker? Getting involved in the North Atlantic slave trade. Oh, Mm. right. So he decided that he'd set up as a slaver. Oh. Yeah. Now, don't worry. He wasn't working for the big Royal African Company, which was like the state-sponsored slavers who were sending profits. Don't worry. Slaves is slaves, Joe. I know, but he wasn't in it for the slaving. He was just in it for the profit. Because what he did was he'd go and he'd negotiate with the people who'd caught the slaves, normally other Africans, and he would buy the slaves as Mm. cheap as he could. Mm -hmm. Then he would invite the people who'd sold him the slaves onto his ship 
to celebrate a deal well done. Mm. And as soon as he got them onto the ship, he would have them chained up next to the people he bought from them and he'd take them and sell them as slaves as well. Wow. Well, it's extra profit, isn't it? If you will. Yeah, and (laughs) I mean, there's a certain sense of, at least in that one microcosm, justice about the slavers being chained up next to the people that they've tried to sell. It's not in any way good. And in terms of as a business model, it's not particularly great for long-term business. Well, I'm not being funny, but two wrongs don't make a right. No. But Henry was just in it for the money. And he was trying to make as much money as he could, as quick as he could. Because, as you can imagine, after pulling this trick all up and down the coast of Africa Mm -hmm. for three years, Mm -hmm. people started to get wise to the idea that if Henry... Henry Three years it took them. But if Henry every turns up and offers to buy your slaves, you do not sell to him and you do not get on his boat. No. Because you ain't getting off that boat again. No. And after about three years, he mm. realised, right, I've, I've wrung as much as I could from this. Yeah, you've, you've, that is dry. Yeah. Now. He almost, he almost though, single-handedly ruined the slave trade. He Amazing. almost it single-handedly took it down because... What the British were finding was mm. that no one would sell to a British ship just in case it was just Henry. Just in case. Um, so they, there were literally questions being asked in Parliament okay. around this. Like, what what can we do? Because he is ruining this system. We had a trust thing with the people we were buying the slaves from. Mm-hmm. And now we are all being blackballed based on this one guy who's just looking to maximise his profit well, and doesn't care about the longevity of the business. No. But it was okay. Was for Henry. It? For Henry. <laughs> after after three years of doing it, he was ear to the ground. He heard about a little venture. Oh, a little something. A like little venture that might make even more a, money. A side hustle. Yes. Because there was um, a few guys in London, a few enterprising guys in London, and mm-hmm. they were setting up a little expedition mm. with the Spanish, of all people. Oh. Yeah. And what they were going to do, it was known as the Spanish Expedition. Oh. I mean, very good. Yeah, they thought lots, lots of thought went into that. There was name. a focus group on that one. Yeah, so the idea was that they would finance for four ships to go out um, into the West Indies, Windies uh, into the Windies, where they would, if they saw any French vessels, they would have um, letters of mark that would from the Spanish that would allow them to take any French vessels that came their way. So they okay. could, yeah. they could you know, take the booty from the French. Mm-hmm. But also they were going to find some galleons that had sunk with loads of gold and they were going to salvage that. Amazing. So <clears throat> it was profit on profit for anyone who went. Okay. It seemed like it was a win-win. And Henry Every, he signed up quite yeah. quickly. Uh, the four four boats going out. The seventh son. Of the seventh son. The Dove. It's a wizard. The James. Mm-hmm. And the Charles the Second. Wow. And Henry was on the Charles II. Mm-hmm. Now, things didn't start well. For who? Um, just for the expedition in general. Okay. I mean, they started well for Henry because he, cause he could point to 15 years naval experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was made a first mate. So he'd, he'd actually, it was higher than he'd ever been mm. in the Navy, you know, in a sort of mm-hmm. a business venture. When he was a slaver, it was just him and a boat. But... Once he was back into the company, first mm. mate was pretty good for him. Mm-hmm. But yes, uh, the the trouble was that one of the captains, the unfortunately and probably misnamed John Strong, 
Not so strong. He died while he was still in port. <laughs> oh my gosh. It's a bit of a bad omen. John dead. He was the flag captain as well, so he was the captain of the flagship. Oh my god. Right. <laughs> so your admiral doesn't actually command a ship, but he you know, no. he, he commands from the flagship, so you've yes. got your flag captain under the admiral. Yeah. And Johnny Strong, he he couldn't even make it out of London oh my god. without dying. <sighs> uh it took amazingly this this you know little squad of four ships because mm-hmm. they were setting off for northern spain mm-hmm. took them five months to get there to spain from london god yeah. i think i could walk it quicker well i looked it up and um if you take you know the cross channel swimmers yeah 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 the cross channel swimmers could have made that journey three or four times oh my easily god so I'm, I don't know what happened, and no one knows what happened. But they finally got to Spain Eventually. after five months. Yeah, right. But even though they were five months delayed, all the legal documentation they needed—you mm. know, the letters of mark, the things that said that what they were doing was mm-hmm. nice and legal—hadn't um, been finished. So the 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 Spanish hadn't quite got round to writing all the legal documentation that these ships needed in order to go on with their mission. Too much siesta in. And the ships were just had to wait in dock wow uh and as the months passed months and the documents still weren't sorted uh, yeah i'm beginning to and I, the sailors realized that they hadn't been paid yet they'd been paid in advance of a month but that was all they'd had so they were six or seven months in arrears oh of pay. my god they started to suspect yeah that they might actually have been tricked and they may actually be slaves themselves so they were really concerned mm-hmm. it eventually mm. the fleet was it, they finally got the paperwork they were ready to leave mm-hmm. and the men said before we leave before we go anywhere again mm-hmm. you need to pay us you need to give us all of our back pay yeah well it's not their fault is it no not at all so the admiral he said yep this sounds pretty serious so i will write to england and ask if they won't pay the money I'll just mm-hmm. I'll just write to the financial backers in England, see if they won't pay them. I'm sure it's just a banking issue. Yeah, I'm sure mm. it is not. Uh, however, mm. it was taking a bit too long. And on the 6th of May, he had a bit of an argument with some of his sailors, including Henry, and the sailors decided, do you know what would be better than this? Mutiny! Oh, of course, mutiny. On the Bunty. Mutiny on the Charles II. Bunty. Yep. Um... And Henry Every, he kind of took charge of this mutiny planning and he went from ship to ship, mm-hmm. persuading the men to come on board, come over to the, mm-hmm. come up for a reason to come over to the Charles II and we'll we'll take the ship and we'll we'll head off and we'll make money some other way. Wow. Stick with me. I know how to make money quickly. Mm. I have a reputation, you know. Don't you know? Yeah. I can't promise it'll be a long career. But or it'll legal. Be a, but lucrative, mm. you know. And because he was so keen, because he could point to his three years of very successful slaving, mm-hmm. everyone kind of assumed he'd be captain. Okay. So he was going to, if if the mutiny came off, he was going to actually get a promotion, which is good. Woohoo! So, Monday the 7th of May, yes. 1694. Despite the fact he knew his men were mutinous, <laughs> where they weren't happy, mm-hmm. O'Byrne, the admiral, he decided... Do you know what? I'll sleep on the shore instead. I'm not sleeping on the boat. I can never get to sleep with that rock in. I'm going to go and have a nice feather pillow in a in a local inn. Wow. And 
Henry thought, right, this is this is the time to strike. Mm-hmm. So that evening, mm-hmm. him, 25 other men, mm. they rushed the crew that weren't involved in the mutiny. Um, luckily, the captain of the Charles II, he was stronger than strong, mm. but not quite as strong as he might have needed to be because he was bedridden at the time. Oh, my God. Yep. With what? Just galloping gut rot? Galloping gut rot. Uh, so, essentially, they shits. charged into the captain's room, found him probably sat on a chamber pot, Crying. and said, yeah, <laughs> said, we're taking the ship. And he kind of just went, okay. <laughs> <laughs> this is what I would pretty have much, done. Yeah, pretty much, yeah, pretty much, oh, okay. <laughs> can, can you at least get me some tissues? I need a wet wipe. Yeah. I'll 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 allow it so long as you bring me a moistened towelette. Yeah. <laughs> it hurts. So they took control of the ship. They started mm-hmm. setting it up to sail out. Uh this was noticed by the captain of the James. Okay. Who shouted across um Ahoy. Well he shouted across, Are you are you aware some of my men are deserting? And Henry shouted back, Yes, it's a mutiny and then sailed off. Amazing. Uh, and they vanished into the night. Never to be seen again. Now, to be fair to Henry, mm. after they got away, and they knew they got away yeah. from the other three ships that uh-huh. they'd been sailing with, uh, he gave all of the people who weren't involved in the mutiny the chance to leave. Get on a long boat, go to shore. Mm-hmm. He even went so far as to offer Gibson, the captain, mm-hmm. who I assume here is still sat on a chamber pot. Crying, Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That he could command the ship under Henry if he wanted to join in. Okay. Gibson said no. Okay. And he was loaded, still sat on his chamber pot, into the long boat, and they rowed him ashore. So he let everyone go who didn't want to be involved. Okay, fair enough. Which is which is nice enough. Fair dues. I mean, pirates really, mm. they do get a bad press in some respects, don't they? Mm. It's like they, they did have some scruples. Yeah. I think I think given the context of the time, yeah, um, you can't ever overlook slavery. No, but given the context of the time, he was going against a massive British-run monopoly mm-hmm. of slaving and doing it independently, and he was at least you know sort of not. No, I'm not. No, I wasn't. It. You know, I wasn't saying that slavery was a was ever okay because it's not. But I mean. Yeah, I don't know what I was trying to say. You make good point, though. Sorry. So, Henry was elected captain, and he said to the guys, right, what we're going to do is we're going to sail down the west coast of Africa, we're mm-hmm. going to turn the corner, and we're going to come up and do some pirating in the Indian Ocean. Aha. Aye, and they all went, that sounds terrific, Henry. Let's do it. Although, they didn't say that, because they didn't know him as Henry Every. Mm. because he had a nickname right do you want to know what his nickname was pete the pirate long ben long ben long ben no idea why but i quite like that so they'd have known him as long ben okay but we're just for just for ease we're going to keep calling him henry Mm -hmm. okay so they were heading down the um west african coast Mm -hmm. and they came across three english merchantmen Mm. and they decided, do you know what? We need some supplies. Your merchant ships with loads of supplies. So they um, boarded them, 
they took the supplies they wanted uh, and nine of the men from the ships that they boarded were so impressed they said can we join please huh please it looks fun mm-hmm. do i get to wave a cutlass and shout err mm. right, yeah come on so he got nine more men to join his crew very good so he's up to 94 men he had at this point goodness me mm. they sailed on a bit further mm-hmm. uh and he pulled his old slaving trick and he tricked a local chieftain when they pulled up for supplies to board the fancy under mm-hmm. a pretense of uh, trade and forcibly took him and all of his men uh, and sold them as slaves. Okay, not mm. so great. Not so great. He used the money he made from the uh, slaving, mm-hmm. the bit of light slaving, to uh, take the, the Charles II in, mm-hmm. which he renamed, and you'll love this, I know you'll love this. Mm. He called it the fancy... I do like that, mm. the fancy. And he had a lot of the extra bits, the, the superstructure taken away to make it the fastest ship it could possibly be. Okay. So he essentially, you know, like when you see the inside of a rally car and you realise mm-hmm. it's now just a shell. Yep. Yeah, he did that to the ship to make it super fast and wow. probably to make more space for all the gold he was going to steal from people. Mm-hmm. He was just about getting to the you know Cape of Good Hope when he hit a couple of Danish ships. Uh, he took all of the stuff they had and they just so happened to have ivory and gold on board. Oh my goodness. And he also got some Danish sailors wanting to join. So he took 17 of them on as well. All right, They're doing pretty well. I mean, he's going to sink himself if he carries Mm. very much more weight. Well, you know, it's one of those things, every time he's stopping in ports to um, trade up, Mm. he's he's trading to empty. I don't believe he would have kept hold of all of the ivory. He would have sold that. No, as he would have he sold that. And... Yeah. So he was. It, it was you know trying to constantly trade up for more valuable stuff that was smaller. Mm. Banking the gold. Yeah. Oh no, no, no. They were keeping it all. Okay. Well, where? In the ship. Yes, but once the ship gets full, it yes. will sink. Yes, it will. But massive stocks of ivory, you then convert those to gold. The gold is smaller, so you but just keep doing that. As heavy. It does look. He was fine. He'd what do you mean? It doesn't matter. He'd it got does. It worked, he got it worked out, hadn't oh, he? Right, okay. The ship didn't sink. He'd obviously worked out what his full, you know, his full capacity was, mm. and he hadn't reached it yet. So he was carrying on because okay. he wanted to get to the Indian Ocean to do some proper piracy. All of this is just, you know, sort of um, pre-piracy for him. Very good. They got round the Cape of Good Hope. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, and they stopped off on the island of Johanna where he wrote a letter um, right. to all English ships. Would, would you like to hear his where letter? Where would you post that? Oh, he sent it to England. Just, just the country? Well, no, he sent it to the offices of the East India Company. Oh, right, okay. Uh, and this is what his letter said. Mm. To all English commanders, let this satisfy you that I was riding here at this instant in the ship Fancy Man of War formerly Charles of Ye Spanish Expedition, who departed from Corona, 7th of May. Being am now a ship of 46 guns, 150 men, and bound to seek our fortunes, I have never as yet wronged any English or Dutch, or nor never intend while I am commander. Wherefore, as I commonly speak with all ships, I desire whoever comes to ye perusal of this to take this signal, that if ye or any whom you may inform are desirous to know what we are doing at a distance, then make your sign... Uh, and we shall answer you with the same and never molest you. For my men are hungry, stout and resolute, and should they exceed my desire, I cannot help myself as yet. 
So what he was basically doing was lying because yes. he'd already taken English ships. Mm-hmm. But as he was sailing into the Indian Ocean, mm-hmm. the only th- the only force that could really um, stop him doing what he wanted was the East India Company. Yes. So he hoped that by sending this letter and saying, look, we're not going to mess with anything that you're getting up to mm-hmm. so long as you just let us get about our business. Mm-hmm. So it was a calculated sort of, it might help us out. It was measured. Yeah, it yeah. was measured. But again, he's he's looking to make massive profit. And the massive profit wasn't from British shipping. Okay. The massive profit was from the Grand Mughal's fleet. Right. Mughal's? M-U-G-H-A-L. Mughal? I... The Grand Mughal's fleet. Mughal. Okay. The big prize was from the Grand Mughal's fleet. Mm-hmm. Okay. So this fleet, it it was known to be the richest thing that you could rob on the sea in mm-hmm. Asia. It was a regular sort of run for trading. Okay. And it was it was the big prize. It was the whopper. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, the Spanish treasure fleet that used to sail yep. from South America um, to Spain every yes. year. It was like that. Okay. Only we're in the Indian Ocean this time. Mm-hmm. So in August 1695, the fancy reached where they thought the fleet was going to come past. And they joined forces with five other pirate captains. Okay. The Amity, the Portsmouth Adventure, mm-hmm. the Dolphin, the Pearl, and the Susanna. Okay. And they all decided that if they worked together, they'd have a better chance of taking the riches that were on board this fleet. So they'd have yeah. to share it out a bit more. Mm. But... Higher chances. Higher though. chances. It's Yeah, it's risk versus reward. Mm-hmm. And every was elected as Admiral of the six ship flotilla. Oh. He found himself in command of over 440 men. Yeah. I've just realised who he is. Have you? In my very tired brain. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Go on. Anyway. <laughs> and, would you believe it, they picked the right place to lie in wait because a convoy of 25 of the Grand Mogul ships... Wow. ...including the 1,600 tonne Sawa. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that um, right, but it basically translates to fabulous wealth. Amazing. Yeah. Um, they was just happened to be sailing past. And Henry was like, right, this is it, lads. Mm-hmm. I've been captain. I've been a pirate captain for just about a year. Mm-hmm. Let's get to some proper piracy. Let's go make make some money. Mm-hmm. So the six ships they set off. The Dolphin, mm-hmm. one of the ships, it was a bit too slow. Oh. And it started lacking behind the rest. So they burnt it. And okay. you f- and jumped on the other ships. All the pirates sort of uh, were shared out. But you imagine the captain of the Dolphin, bless him. He thought, oh yeah, I'm joining this amazing pirate mm-hmm. flotilla. We're going to do all these great things. And within a day, he no longer is a captain. He's just some dude hitching a ride on a boat. Yeah. The Amity and the Susanna, they also weren't the best ships the amity fell behind mm-hmm. didn't rejoin so we're already down to four and we haven't even reached yeah. the mogul's fleet yet um uh the susanna eventually did catch up but they were kind of side-eyeing the susanna uh-huh. like come on guys get your shit together <laughs> come on um they chased the mogul's fleet for five days and finally caught up to one of the smaller ships 600 mm-hmm. ton 
Fatah Mohammed. Now, the crew of the Fatah Mohammed, mm. they put up very, very little resistance. Okay. Um, the pirates sacked the ship mm-hmm. um, and the treasure was around £60,000, which was just astronomical mm-hmm. at the time. Yeah. You could have bought all of the pirate ships a dozen times over with yep. that amount of money. So it was a good score. Mm-hmm. However, once the treasure was shared out amongst the remaining pirate fleet, mm-hmm. everyone didn't really get a lot. And everyone was like, well, it's good. But it's not good enough. It's not good enough. Let's you know, go. We've, we've taken the smaller of yeah. the treasure ships that was being escorted. I remember seeing that really big one, uh-huh. the one called Exceeding Treasure. Yes. I think that's the one we should go after. And he set off in hot pursuit. They overtook it a few days later. Uh-huh. The Amity and the Dolphin had already gone. Yeah. And guess what the Susanna did? Oh, Yeah, no. it buggered off. So eventually, there was only the Fancy, the Pearl and the Portsmouth mm-hmm. who were actually present when when they caught up to the ship. Wow. It had the Ganjisawi. Mm-hmm. It had 80 guns. It had a, an armed guard who were all armed with muskets. Mm-hmm. And that was 400 armed guards. Oh, my goodness. Right. Okay. Uh, and there were also 600 passengers who could all be given mm-hmm. arms to fight off. So they were going against an 80-gun ship with mm-hmm. a thousand, potentially a thousand angry people fighting mm-hmm. them off. But Henry Every was a mm. very, very lucky man, mm. it seems, because they fired a shot from one of their cannons. Mm. Bear in mind this, you know, when you're talking about sea battles, most times you only fired your cannon when you're at point blank range yes you waited until you literally couldn't miss because trying to find range when both things are moving up and down and side to side yeah it's it's a crapshoot you yeah you fire if you hit you're lucky yeah it's coming alongside you came alongside and then you shot seven shades of what's it out of each other yeah. and whichever one less least resembled kindling mm-hmm. was considered the winner yes and everyone applauded yeah well he it must have been a range finding shot Mm-hmm. or something because they fired a cannonball and it just so happened to hit right at the base of the main mast knocking <sighs> it down and pretty much crippling the ship Amazing. that's shot number one mm-hmm. okay and as you can imagine that was quite demoralizing mm-hmm. for all of these people on this ship because they're oh these these trifling little piddly ships we won't worry mm-hmm. about oh my god there goes the mast yeah and i bet it killed a few people oh yeah it? definitely so the captain of the uh what was, what was I calling it? The Exceeding Treasure. I'll stop mm-hmm. trying to butcher uh, the pronunciation. I'll just call it The Exceeding Treasure. Okay. So the captain of The Exceeding Treasure, he went, well, do you know what? We've got 80 cannons, so why don't we just fire one back and show them that we're not intimidating? Mm-hmm. Uh, so he fired it, mm. uh, and it promptly exploded, instantly killing many. Yeah, that was a risk. Uh, and started a number of fires. Well, yes, it will. Which the crew then had to put down their muskets that they were going to use to mm-hmm. defend to put out the, the fire. Okay. Yeah, so it wasn't going well. No. While there was a bit of confusion, Every's men got on with the grappling hooks. They got up the side mm-hmm. uh, and they jumped in. The crew of the Pearl, mm. they joined. Mm-hmm. The Amity, not so much. They decided okay. they were going to sit this one out and just see see how things went. Yeah. Maybe jump in at the end if things were looking very good. Mm-hmm. Um. There was a hand-to-hand fighting for about three hours on the decks uh, until eventually mm. Henry Every's crew were victorious. Oh, they my God. They took 
the massive 106 no 1600 ton exceeding treasure wow yeah it could have been up to 100 of the pirates died in order to 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 win the day okay so it was a very very bloody battle and yeah as you can imagine the tempers were up yes so there was unfortunately quite a lot of torturing Oh. Quite a lot of murdering. Oh, quite yeah. a bit of raping. Oh. Apparently, Henry Every did not go on to the fabulous treasure at any point. Gosh. Um, so he was not involved in any of that, but it still mm. doesn't excuse the fact that as no. captain, he probably should have stopped that from happening. Yeah. They stripped it of pretty much everything valuable, and a lot of the torturing was to get people to say where the secret treasure compartments were, mm-hmm. so that they could make sure they got absolutely every penny. And... Then they left the passengers on the ship that now didn't have its main mast, mm-hmm. got back on the fancy, got back on the uh, pearl, the pearl, went to the Amity, mm-hmm. didn't give them any share of the treasure, and off they went. Wow. It was the single biggest mm-hmm. act of piracy that there ever was. Wow. And they made enough that every single one of them uh, would never need to work again. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, it also made them quite notorious, as you could imagine. Yes. Very, in fact. Well, yeah. Um, it was some something between um, 500,000 gold and silver pieces, as well as incalculable amounts of jewels and other items of value. Mm-hmm. But even just from the five. 100,000 gold pieces and he was in charge of 440 men when they started yep about 100 died during that oh my goodness so you're 340 yeah but then all the people on the amity they get nothing Mm, but you can take a third away yeah all the people on the susanna they never even saw the battle they were so far behind so they Mm -hmm. get nothing so you're probably splitting 500,000 gold pieces between 150 men oh my goodness bearing in mind that as part of his agreement to take on the role of captain mm. Henry had negotiated that he got two shares for every one share that everyone else had okay yeah which is fair enough so they divided the treasure up which is fair enough and the fancy parted ways with the amity and went sailing for the island of Bourbon or okay. Bourbon Bourbon uh, yeah the problem was it wasn't exactly the life and soul of the party this island Mm. And although they had loads and loads of money, yeah, they were finding that if they tried to go anywhere even remotely populated, mm-hmm. they would be um, noticed because they would be giving out coins that were quite clearly foreign. Mm-hmm. Um, and what they'd done, essentially, they'd not just robbed this, they had started an international incident because, yes. as yeah. you can imagine, uh, the Grand Mogul wasn't happy. No. Um, and had not only threatened to throw the East India Company out of the Indian Ocean completely, Mm -hmm. but also had serious plans on invading Bombay to make sure that there were no English in India or the Indian subcontinent at all. He was that pissed. Okay. And because he was that pissed, Mm -hmm. there was a a bounty placed upon the head of Henry Every Mm -hmm. and all of his crew. So the East India Trading Company promised to pay financial reparations Mm -hmm. just so that they could stay. And British Parliament, they didn't just put a um, a bounty on his head. They declared all of the pirates of Henry Every's crew hostis humani generis, 
or enemies of the human race. Wow. Mm. They offered That's a, a title, yeah. isn't it? It was a £500 bounty, bounty on Henry's head. Mm-hmm. And anyone who turned him in was given a free pardon. So basically, any of his crew could, if they got cold feet, get across to England, dob him in, mm-hmm. and they'd have 500 quid. So wow. it's not quite the, the treasure hoard, but at least mm-hmm. it was 500 quid they could spend. Yeah. It was the first worldwide manhunt in recorded history. Wow. Um, so what to do, what to do? They decided that what they'd do is they'd try to sail all the way across to the colonies of America because they figured it was probably the only place in the world where they could spend the loot, mm-hmm. um, but the long arm of European justice couldn't quite reach them. Yep. So they sailed across uh, the Atlantic. They had to stop at Ascension Island halfway. Okay. Which is, I don't know if you've ever seen it on a map, it's a tiny spit of land. Mm-hmm. Um, they stopped, didn't find anything except turtles, so they went, sod it. Looks like we're eating turtle for the rest of the trip. Mm-hmm. Took 40 turtles on board. Oh, my God. And for reasons I cannot fathom, at that point, 17 of the pirates got cold feet. <laughs> right. Yep. And decided that they were going to just stick around on Ascension Island. And they were left with their share of the money on Ascension Island in the middle of the Atlantic. Christ knows what the... I, I assume cannibalism occurred. We don't hear any more about those 17. No, I, no. Quite serious death, I think. You can imagine them going to Henry in his cabin going, we we think we want to stay here. He's just Because like, you can see from one side of the island to the other, he's like, really? Or okay. he's thinking, okay, that's 17 more shares there. No, no, they they got their shares. They... Yeah, I know, that's what I mean. And he's going, they're not going to last, I'll give him six months. Oh, well, I'll, basically, I now have a piggy bank on Ascension. Yeah! I'll come back. <laughs> yeah! <laughs> I'll come back. I will bury their corpses, for I am yes. a man of honour. Yes. Uh, and then I'll just take their I shares. I will that they... raid their piggy banks. Lovely. I never thought of that, but yeah, he's probably great. Yeah, fine. Uh, yeah, so the crew got over to America, mm-hmm. found that they could spend the money. They bribed local officials. Mm-hmm. Could you imagine in America being able to bribe a government official to to overlook a crime that you committed? Never heard such things. No. So yeah, they basically just went, "Yeah, it's fine. We'll just keep giving you stuff." Mm-hmm. But eventually the insistence from the British Crown that we know he's with you somewhere. You need to hand him over. Things got too hot. And Henry um, and about 24 of his crew decided that they were going to have to hop off again. The vast majority of the crew stayed in America Mm -hmm. along the eastern seaboard. Mm -hmm. And even to this day, coins Mm. bearing the mark of the Grand Mogul are being found around Providence... You know, all Mm -hmm. the sort of Bostonian coastlines and Mm -hmm. stuff. So they were clearly there. Mm -hmm. And most of them just, they got away with it. Mm -hmm. They got to spend their money. They got to live their lives. It was grand. But Henry, it was too hot for him. And a couple of the other crew thought, well, actually, I'm not not that confident that America are going to keep us to their bosom. bosom. Mm -hmm. They're not going to keep looking after us and somebody is going to decide that that 500 quid looks pretty good 
yeah. and it's going to dob us in. So 24 of them decided they'd leave America. And where would you go if you're being sought by the British Crown? Cuba. Ooh, good one. Mexico. I know. Argentina, all of these good places for, for running from the law. They Canada. Just, they decided to sail for England. Why? Because they wanted to go back to England and go they felt home. they felt confident. I mean, don't forget, at some point, he's got a wig seller wife, wasn't he? Has She's he... probably wondering what the hell's happened to him. Has he? Potentially. P- potentially. I think I would have moved on. I think, isn't that marriage like dead after so long? Well, bear in mind, even now, after all this has happened, he only married her five years ago. He spent three years slaving. He spent about half a year pissing about with that Spanish expedition. He was only a pirate to this point for a year and a half. This is only 1696. He only I'm not st- being funny, but if you disappeared for five years, I would I would kind of think you weren't coming back. Well, he, he left the Navy in 1690. Mm. And in 1696, he's sailing back for England as the most notorious pirate in the world. He did a lot. He... He really did that. I'm going to make my money now. Thank yeah, you very much, please. Yeah, I get that. Okay. So he's only 36 at this point. Uh-huh. A- approximately. And 24 of them did make it back to England. We know they made it back to England because on the 30th of July, 1696, John Dan, mm-hmm. who'd been the coxswain on the ship, uh, he was arrested for suspected piracy at the Bull Hotel in Kent. Okay. Uh, he had, unfortunately for him... £1,045 in gold sequins <laughs> and 10 English guineas sewn into his waistcoat. Wow. Uh, so he'd sewn all of, the, all of the money into his waistcoat for safekeeping, but he'd left it in his room while he'd gone down to have a drink and the chambermaid found it, uh, reported it to the town mayor. And she got, was fair snooping then. She, well, she was. It worked for her because she got the reward. And I bet you, although she reported it was one thousand and forty-five pounds, I bet it was closer to two thousand before. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and there's these weird patches. He's obviously spent that. Yeah, he's he's been spending definitely. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. She just walks up. <laughs> What's that? Nothing. Nothing to see here. Yeah. So, John Dan, at least, was going to face justice. Okay. But he wasn't. Mm. Because in order to avoid execution, he agreed to testify against other members of every crew, every's crew. Mm. And he managed to finger six other guys. Mm. And the authorities went, well, actually, hanging six people is much better than just hanging one person. So we're willing to let you slide if you provide evidence. Because... In order to gain a conviction, mm-hmm. you needed an eyewitness stating that those people had that they'd seen that person in the act of piracy. Okay. So, rather than having to try and argue circumstantial on this guy, where he could say, "Well, yes, I do have all this money. I found it. Mm-hmm. I found this waistcoat. I'm as shocked as you that there's all that mm-hmm. money in the life. I've been wearing this for weeks." Clink, 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 clink. Mm. Uh, the six people he fingered. Maybe I shouldn't phrase it that way the six people he implicated yes Joseph Dawson Mm -hmm. from Yarmouth Edward Forsyth from Newcastle Mm -hmm. William May from London William Bishop from Devon James Lewis from London and John Sparks from London so they were all 
committed to trial at the Old Bailey on the mm-hmm. 19th of October, 1696. The government needed, you know, Parliament needed this to be a slam dunk mm-hmm. because it was another way that they could show the Grand Mogul mm-hmm. they were actually taking this seriously. Look, yep. we've, we've caught some of them. It's only a matter of time before we catch yep. more. Yep. Um, we'll torture it out of them. I can imagine now. We'll torture it out of them. They'll tell. Well, they tried at the judges because we, we're beyond torture now. You couldn't necessarily torture. Oh, right. Um, okay. And even if they confessed, you needed an eyewitness saying that they'd done it. Okay. Uh, the judges, though, they, they before they even started the trial, they told the jury um, that the consequences of an acquittal, mm-hmm. so if they decided to find not guilty, they just warned them that they would result in the total loss of Indian trade and thereby the, improvish- the impoverishment of this kingdom. Wow. Okay. A bit of a leading way of uh, introducing the case. Yep. Anyway, the jury passed a verdict of not guilty on all six. <laughs> Wow, okay. So they just charged them on six different indictments because they had robbed two ships. Mm. So they just charged them and then they got a different jury for the second trial. A jury that they had selected a bit more carefully, I should imagine. Mm. Uh, Yes. Think judges dressed as women. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I can imagine. Yeah. Um, And this time, would you believe they were all found guilty? Mm-hmm. The pirates were given one last chance to to sort of say why they should be spared execution. Uh, And most of them claimed that although they were present, they were not um, present by their own volition. You Mm -hmm. know, that they just happened to be on the Charles II Mm -hmm. when the mutiny had happened, Mm -hmm. which doesn't really track with the fact that uh, Henry had let a load of people off when they asked. The only person they actually forced to stay on the ship was the surgeon. Because mm-hmm. they figured we might need him, yeah. But everybody else had freedom to come and go mm-hmm. um, until, obviously, they signed the articles to say that they'd stay for a certain length of time. Yeah. But there was there was a free choice there, so that didn't really wash. Uh, and on the twenty fifth of November, five of the prisoners, because one was uh, too sick, so they just decided it's not worth it, mm-hmm. uh, were taken to the gallows at execution dock. Mm-hmm. And yeah, they were all hung. Mm-hmm. There was no brave escape. This wasn't a Pirates of the Caribbean. No. Henry didn't sail in, perform some dashing rescue with lots of cinematics. No, were they in the Iron Maidens? Do they get put in Uh, the Iron Maidens? No, you you just get hung normally, but uh, at execution dock, your body... Normally, a body would be left for an hour and Mm. then cut down. Uh, If you were hung as a pirate at execution dock, the um, tide was left to wash over you three times right? before you were cut down. And then your body might be placed in one of the metal thingy bobs cages uh, the Iron Maidens the thing the spikes isn't it these are just cages okay. to, to just you know show people what happens if you be a pirate the uh, the, the traitor Dan mm-hmm. who turned King's Witness and basically condemned these five sods to death mm-hmm. uh, yeah he did quite well he ended up marrying a lovely lady called Eliza Noble mm-hmm. and became a partner in a goldsmith's Making lots of money. I bet he did. Mm. But because we have to have some kind of karma in this, mm-hmm. he was duped by a fraudster and lost all of his money and good. died penniless in 1722. Good, good, good. Yes. Now, the one person I haven't mentioned here, because mm-hmm. um, we know what happened to the crew who stayed in America, mm-hmm. we can assume what happened to the crew who stayed on Ascension Island. Mm-hmm. 
poor guys. And we know what happened to the, the most of the crew who went back to England. Yep. Henry Every himself. I'm waiting. Nobody knows. He disappeared from history. There were reports that people claimed that they'd met him and that he died penniless. Mm. But the idea that someone would have met him and not handed him in for the uh, bounty they, is ridiculous. Would they dare, though? Would they dare? I wouldn't dare. If you saw, if you knew him, if you knew it was him, mm. would you dare? I bloody wouldn't. You don't know who the hell he knows. That man's taken a flipping ship. You know what I mean? It's just like, you know what he's done. Mm. But nobody Why knows what happened to him. Why would you dob him in? I reckon, I reckon, change of identity. Mm. And he became somebody else. With all that money? Maybe he left most of his money on Ascension Island and just occasionally go and pick it up. But, yeah. With all that money. You see, I, I can just imagine he... You know, he disappears and comes back as some kind of gentry with mm. land. Yeah. But we don't know at all what happened to him. He disappeared from the records when he split with the rest of his crew and sailed back with 24 other guys to England. They He, he told um, all those members of his crew loads of different stories. Mm-hmm. That he was going here, there and everywhere specifically to make it hard to track him. So yeah. he obviously did have... Uh, an escape plan. Mm, mm. Um, don't know why he decided he needed to go back to England. He pick definitely up his wife. No, he didn't pick up his wife. Oh. You were right when you said it was pretty much the marriage was over. Yeah, yeah. But he managed to do all of that, and he was he was a a lowly ranking officer in the Royal Navy. Mm. Six years later, he was the highest profile fugitive in the world, mm. the most successful pirate there has ever been. And caused a, a massive international incident that almost single-handedly wrecked the East India Company. Mm. Having previously, during the three years he spent as a slaver, mm. almost single-handedly wrecking the English slave trade. Yes. So he was a man who, he didn't do things by halves. And he wasn't afraid to to go at it full balls to the wall. No, you see, I know Henry Every as the Pirate King. mm well, there were rumours that he'd gone to Madagascar and he'd mm. literally set him up himself up as a king. They weren't yeah. true, but that was the story, the mm. narrative. I think um, William Defoe kind of helped with that. Yeah. Oh, was it? No. Which one did Treasure Island? Daniel Defoe? Stevenson. Was it? Who am I thinking of? Um, Daniel Defoe, yeah. Primary character of Daniel Defoe's The King of the Pirates. Mm-hmm. And as a minor character in his no- novel, Captain Singleton. Mm-hmm. Uh, both stories acknowledged the tales of Hen of his republic. So he became a legend immediately. Well, yeah, he's up there with Blackbeard. Yes, yeah, with Black Bart, with Black Bart, obviously, with all of all of our priority favourites. Yeah, but he won. Yes, he, he won. He as com- far as we know, he completely won. He faced no comeuppance for his crimes that we know of. Because I think it'd be too high profile if he got caught, Mm. wouldn't it? It doesn't matter who, who in the world would have found him, you know, with whether it be on the continent, whether it be in the Americas, whether it be in the Caribbean or Asia or India or whichever waters or land he'd land on, it'd be too high a profile for it not to be. Well, if you if you bother capturing him, why wouldn't you claim five hundred quid? Mm. 
and a pardon for whatever you've done. It's like I I, I get money and I get out of jail free card. Oh, thanks. Mm. But yeah, I I just love the idea that he did just one. He basically did one act of piracy. Oh, I, mean, I don't know. The the other things down the coast that was just him getting. You you got to know that that was his plan. It must have been because he was, you know, he told the guys when they were taking the Charles II, he was like, mm. I'm going to take you where you're going to get make money. Mm-hmm. And he did it so efficiently. And the amount of time it had taken the, the people who'd set up the Spanish expedition to get four ships from England mm-hmm. to northern Spain, mm. he had gone around the Cape of Good Hope, become admiral of a pirate fleet, mm-hmm. taken the largest prize a pirate has ever taken mm. and disappeared with his loot. Mm-hmm. He was good and efficient at getting stuff done. He just didn't really care about how it affected anyone else. No. Very, very singularly minded man. Very. And that is the story of Henry Every. Mm. The, the pirate king. The pirate king. The pirate who did piracy more efficiently mm. than any pirate who has ever pirated before or since. Pirate. <laughs> pirate. Pirate. <laughs> <laughs> R. Hi there, it's Emma, Chief Organiser at Consistently Eccentric. Here to remind you all that if you like what you hear, you can catch up with all previous episodes and session series by searching for us on Acast, Spotify and iTunes. How fancy. You can also join us on Instagram at Consistently Eccentric Podcast, where we update on the weekly episode and post all of our bonus content for you lucky lot. See you next week.